Welcome to episode 51 of the Toadstool Boardroom for the week of July 20th, 2023. My name's Logan Play, and I'm joined, as always, by Justin Corais. Hey, Logan. Actually, not as always, because you're going to be out next week. That's true. There are some exceptions to always. It's not as uh, firm a term as one may uh, assume. Yeah, unfortunately. But breaking news, we'll have Chris Driver back next week. The legend uh, returns. very exciting. He'll be here to talk all about Pikmin 4, which I know he's excited to dive into this weekend. As am I. And the reviews are out, and they're very good. We're going to talk about that in just a second, because, Justin, you just told me you had some show-and-tell you wanted to kick off I, the show with. I do. Uh, it's it's a, a small thing, and for the audio-only listeners, I'll try and narrate what I'm doing. I have next to me a small cardboard box from Amazon and is making nice. some roughly noises as I pull out a package because I had to, for the purposes of the show, buy a package hey. of Super Mario Oreos from Super Mario World. Nice. Um, I figured, what's the point in having a, an entire Toadstool boardroom if we can't have some theme treats. So I'm opening the package right now. I'm not going to eat on there because that would be annoying. Um, but uh, if you look closely, you can see, I don't want to adjust my focus, uh, the the is basically embossed with various Mario characters. So I just pulled a nut that has a Yoshi on it. Uh, here is one that has a coin on it. Uh, and so I'm going to have a little bit of a, a Nintendo thematic. Oh, there's there's Mario himself, the guy with the big M. Nice. Uh, so yeah, my, uh, my my show and tell is I managed to track down some of these special Mario Oreos. Uh, I honestly I love the fact that the uh, Nintendo is getting is opened up quite a bit when it comes to things like merchandise. Like you can get you know cool Mario Lego sets now and um, like toys, and obviously movies and things like that. Um, I like that they're embracing just how big of a, a, a cultural uh, cornerstone that Mario is. Yeah, the the Mario Kart Hot Wheels line is right? fantastic. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's amazing. I have more than I'd like to admit <laughs> uh, because so I'm huge into Amiibos, you all know. And then my one of my best friends is huge into uh, just Hot Wheel diecasts in general. Mm. He's had a, a ton of them for years. So then when these Mario Kart Hot Wheels started rolling out, we were like, oh, it's kind of our two worlds converging. Mm -hmm. So we have a joint collection that's. Excellent. Um, pretty impressive, actually, at this point. I also have some show and tell. Yes. This is super random. I was cleaning out uh, my apartment today, uh, just just doing some housekeeping, and I came across a my Circle Pad Pro box. You remember the? Oh, uh, yeah. Very, add on accessory. Very, yeah, um, yeah. The accessory that added the second stick to the original model of 3DS <laughs> before the new 3DS. And I bought this at a used game store only like a year ago because I never had one myself. And I just saw it. It was like 10 bucks and I grabbed it. And I was recycling the box today and tucked like in the bottom of the box, I found these five uh, Kid Icarus Uprising AR cards. Amazing. Some came with the game. Some were sold in stores like in the trading card section. Um, my personal favorite here is the, the Eggplant Wizard. Uh, that I found today. And these aren't mine. I have my own set of these from when the game was new, but these were just whoever sold this Circle Pad Pro secondhand left their Kid Icarus Uprising card. And so you've, you've had these and didn't know it. Yes. Yeah, so, they've just been sitting in this box. So how how did the AR cards work? What, what exactly were they? Yeah, so there was this uh, alternate mode in Kid Icarus Uprising, basically. Um, you, you could go and... Uh, you remember the AR cards that came with the 3DS? There were six of them. Vaguely. So vaguely. Mario, Link, Kirby, Samus, and like a question block. Mm. Uh, these work the same way. You just go to your the, the camera mode of Kid Icarus Uprising, and then you put two cards down, and then you can like watch them battle. Mm. And it's basically just a way to look at cool detailed models yeah. of them, like in augmented reality, like a few years before Pokemon Go kind of popped off and, and, and did it a lot differently. Um, yeah, but I have a bunch of these, and I mean, Toadstool Nation knows I, I'm obsessed with Kid Icarus Uprising, so this was a, this was a fun one. You, you going to bust out the 3DS and uh, give them a look? 
Probably. That game like lives in my 3DS. Yes. That's the cart I almost yes. always have in it. So yeah, I nice. probably should do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fun show and tell. I, I like the Oreo pickup. I haven't picked those up myself. I usually stay away from the Oreos that are like, just like have different art on the cookie, but are the same flavor. I wish that they had gone with some sort of, I don't know uh, what Super Mario flavor flavored, like, like. Like, a, like a, a fire flower yeah. of some yeah, sort, like yeah. a big and spicy one. It's got a star, oh. a little superstar on it. Well, we got a good show this week. Kind of a slow news week, apart from Pikmin coming out. Um, but we we put out a call for listener questions, and you all really delivered. Nailed we have, it. I think, six to get to later on in the show. Uh, we're also going to do a little topic I thought of. The best non-Nintendo, Nintendo-like games that we each made a list. Uh, but we're going to talk about Pikmin 4 reviews. And Justin, you wanted to talk about Jurassic Park a little bit. Uh, oh man! I honestly I forgot about that. Which is yeah. Okay, if you're listening, oh, I thought that you were wearing the shirt. One hundred percent coincidentally. Like I, I I I get home from from work because like I work during the day and I change out of my work clothes and I'm throwing on a t-shirt. Make sure Jurassic Park shirt. Cool. Completely forgot that we had talked about this like a couple days ago. This is one hundred percent unintentional. But uh um yes uh as you has a very thoroughly planned out show that has had our runner show dialed in for weeks now. Um, I've, oh, yeah. I've clearly coordinated my uniform uh, to it. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, uh, Limited Run Games um, had a show that they did recently where they announced a bunch of, like, compilations that they're bringing. Um, uh, and as, I believe they're all coming to the Nintendo Switch. And one that I saw that I'm particularly excited about is the Jurassic Park compilation. Now, uh, there was... Uh, it, it brings together a whole, like a pretty wide span of Jurassic Park games that were on the uh, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, uh, uh, the Game Boy, Tarkov has the NES one, but it, it goes back to this really fascinating era of uh, video games where a licensed property would say, okay, you know, we need a licensed video game. And uh, uh, like five different studios would make a game with the exact same property at the same time. So it's like you literally could, you know, you'd show up at the, the video store to buy the Jurassic Park game. And depending on if you had the Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo, you have two entirely dissimilar, disconnected games that don't have mm-hmm. anything to do with each other. And I am in particular really excited about the Super Nintendo version of Jurassic Park. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've played this game uh, before, Logan, mm-hmm. but it's it is shockingly ambitious and really well done um you switch back and forth between this like top-down mode where you're exploring like the jurassic park overworld avoiding dinosaurs you've got some weapons you're trying not to get eaten by a t-rex um and i'm actually going to mention this game again later but uh well i'll, I'll uh okay. for a uh, listener question um but there's a lot of exploration in different parts of the park, and there's ob- like obstructions to get past. And then you go into building in tiers, and it switches to a first-person shooter mode like classic Doom or Wolfenstein. And both modes are actually executed extremely well. You pick up different power-ups, like a battery for the night vision goggles and keycard and things like that. They give you access to a different to different parts of the park or different parts of buildings you've been to for some of that like Metroid-like backtracking. It's an absolutely brilliant video game, and uh, I'm so unbelievably excited about this compilation where I get to play it on my Switch. I, I, I can't wait, and I really want people to pick this up. Um, I, I tweeted a bunch about it the day it came out. I saw some other folks uh, tweet about it as well who had like played it back in the day. Um, like oh, Of the collection, I'm pretty confident that it's this like Super Nintendo version of it that people are going to be talking about. 
Yeah, that's great. There was a bunch of stuff in that limited run mm-hmm. uh, showcase. I know a lot of the Castlevania games that have been getting digital collections yep. lately are coming out physically. Mm-hmm. There was a Gex collection, if you remember Which, Gex. I don't know who wants that, that, but here you go. <laughs> it exists. Right. Yeah, so that was cool. So go check that out. Uh, there's there's a bunch of roundups out there. Yeah, and like, you know, is, I, I will say, especially with like, you know, like even like recent kind of scary news about the state of video game preservation, it is like the compilations like this help. Like they, you know, there's there has been no way to play the Super Nintendo version of uh, a Jurassic Park legally without owning a cartridge and a Super Nintendo. So it's it's amazing that this is being brought up here. So like good on them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm waiting on a physical edition of Tunic from Fan Gamer to Ooh, nice week or so. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward to that. Yeah. I haven't finished that game yet, and I, I've been waiting for the physical to break it out. I will say, sometimes the hard part is, like, uh, some of these, like, smaller companies that do these things, like Fan Gamer, Limited and Run Games, sometimes you do have to be yeah. a little bit patient, but it, that's a small yes. price to pay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit, I had... We got more questions than I anticipated, so I cut this limited run thing from the show, and then I saw your T-shirt, and I was like, "Oh, he's expecting to talk about it," so I, I nope. brought it back up. Nope, that, uh, not none of that was planned. That was all off off the cuff. Nice. So, uh, yeah, we're professionals. Yeah, well, it got its it's got its spell it anyways. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's let's talk about Pippin Four, which let's is out the the day this show comes out, Friday, July twenty one. We haven't get to, gotten to play it yet, uh, but I'll be picking it up on launch. So will Chris, Justin will not, if you remember his impressions of the demo not for me. Uh, from a couple weeks back. But reviews are very very positive. Oh, they're That's stellar. Yeah. Sitting at an eighty eight on Open Critic, which is kind of the Metacritic alternative that I really prefer <laughs> these days. I think it's I think it's much stronger. Kind of its vetting of critics. It's not as difficult to get open critic approved. And then you look at some of the ones that make it on Metacritic and it's, it's a little suspect sometimes. So open critics, the way to go, by the way. Uh, but Sam Loveridge, a games radar gave it four and a half stars out of five uh, saying, quote, Pikmin four, isn't just another Pikmin game. Nintendo has taken the formula and twisted it by adding new challenges, ways to play and a whole new character. It's cute and packs a great RTS punch, despite multiple ways to make it more approachable overall. Jada Griffin at IGN gives it a 9 out of 10, saying Pikmin 4 adds variety to the series' traditional gameplay by offering options other than the grab-and-throw formula of the past and brings an extra helping of top-tier levels after the credits roll. So it's looking very, very positive out there, Justin. Yeah, I, I'm not super shocked that the uh, reviews are glowing. You know, my impression when we both played through the demo really wasn't that there's anything wrong with it. I think it's very cool. I, yeah. I think it's stylish. I think you can see it has a very engaging progression system. And, like, there's there was plenty of that compelled me to go forward. Again, it's just the that type of RTS combat with the persistent time mechanic. is it, It's not for me, but that's healthy. It's perfectly okay to say, oh, yeah. hey, a, a game cannot be for me and still be a great game. And I think that Pikmin is one of those games. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. It is looking like... Honestly, I kind of got these vibes from the demo, and then the reviews are just kind of confirming it. This is looking like the big step up for the Pikmin franchise. Yeah, like, definitely seems like more it. content here. I'm seeing that it's taking upwards of 25 hours to complete, which is way longer than the rest of the series. The caves are brought back and, and seem to contain even more creative puzzles, obviously, than what is shown in the demo. Uh, and yeah, and then these reviews kind of say it all. It, it's in, like, and I, I will say in particular that line from Jada about the top tier levels after the credits roll, that's a Nintendo thing that we've seen them do over the last 10 plus years where, you know, they'll, they'll give you like a, a very like kind of tight, cohesive package to, to get through the main game. And then they'll really challenge you in terms of your skills and your ability to solve puzzles afterwards. So I think it's really cool that they're doing that. Yeah, it really makes me wonder, 
Remember, like, over five years ago when Miyamoto said the quote Pikmin 4 is close to completion and then everyone was like, <laughs> predicting it on their Nintendo Direct bingo cards yep. for the next decade? Yep. Well, it's finally here, and I have to wonder, did this thing go back to the drawing board at some point when Wii U was flailing and they decided to hold it for the next system? Did they, like, really kind of start from scratch and make a whole new game? Because this is much bigger than the rest of the Pikmin series has been before, and... Yeah, it seems like they spent a lot of time on this. It, Nintendo's really kind of like dug themselves uh, their own, their own grave in terms of us just having the expectation they will they will just have stuff done and not and not want to release it just until they're ready. It's like because it's inconvenient or they have other stuff going on or they're just not in the mood to do so. There, there, there's certainly a, a well earned skepticism we have that uh, yeah maybe you didn't just wrap this up right before shipping. Yeah, and this is the year of that. Mm-hmm. This is the third time this year this has happened. Pikmin four and. The same team that's worked on Pikmin 4 is handling Super Mario Wonder. So Pikmin 4's right. been in the can for a while. Yeah. You, you can't be as far along as it looks like Wonder is, especially with its expected yeah. release date, and and think that they're just wrapping up uh, mm-hmm. uh, a month ago on this title. And then Fire Emblem Engage, we know, was done for like over a year. It was del- developed around the same time as Three Houses. And then we've talked about this one a lot on the show, Metroid Prime Remastered. Yeah, it's part, has been finished. It's so part, yeah, that's been done for years. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's fun to see. It's made for an amazing first-party output this year from Nintendo. And yeah, also over on Nintendo.com, I, I don't know if you listeners out there check these out, but recently, the week leading up to a first-party Switch release, they're doing these dev interviews that are very similar to the Awada Asks columns from 10 years ago. Uh, but basically, they're asking the dev teams, the directors, the producers, the creatives behind these major games. And actually giving some pretty cool insight that we don't usually see Nintendo mm. give. Like, uh, in way in, in round one of this three-part interview, we got some concept art of Pikmin um, from before even the first game from the GameCube era, and they look like totally different creatures. They look a little, like, Smurf-like, a little, like, um, gosh, what, I can never remember the game. There was this game I used to have that was, like, pre-installed on a bunch of Windows PCs, like, 20 years ago of, like, these purple people. And I can't remember the name of it, but they kind of look like that a little bit to me. They look weird. They look like there's some that look like very depressing and like apocalyptic. I don't know if you checked out this concept art. I did. Yeah, there's some really weird ones in here. Yeah, they 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 look like, I don't know, personified viruses or something. They're they're (laughs) a little little haunting. Yeah. And then in particular, the 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 black and white sketches and things like that, it it's it's a little eerie and I kind of like that. Yeah, it's fun to see because Pikmin was, uh, at the time, it was it was a new IP for Nintendo, obviously. It's not every day we see them roll out a new IP. Mm-hmm. So them pulling back the curtain on the creation and the, the creative process of basically building a new pillar of their franchises, it was super cool to see. Go check out the interview on Nintendo.com. But here's a couple highlights from it I pulled. Uh, Junji Mori, who was the designer of the characters, said that he really liked the world of Tim Burton and wanted the designs not just to be cute, but also give a sense of eeriness or some emotional weight. That's why I was drawing the sketches like this with a style that layers scribbling lines. So, yeah, that'll make a lot more sense if you see some of the concept art. But Tim Burton, Justin, that totally it makes sense. I get it. Oh, yeah. Well, and in particular, like the, you know, like proportions on them are like a little bit off from, I think, what feels comfortable and things like that. So, like, there's just something about them that's a little unsettling. Uh, And and so, like, if it, you know, if he says that Tim Burton was part of the inspiration, you can see that plain as day. Yeah. And, And then we had a quote from Miyamoto talking about, how the Pikmin series doesn't sell. And I found that really like just candid of him to Mm -hmm. talk about in a very curated interview on Nintendo's website. Uh, But Miyamoto said, there have been three games in the series until now from Pikmin to Pikmin three. And personally, I've always wondered 
Why haven't they exploded more in sales, even though they're so much fun to play? Why do people think they're so difficult? And he went on to say, I get that people find it more difficult when death is a factor, but I think the franchise's strength lies in its relationship with mortality. If something is irreversible, you need to figure out a way to prevent undesired things from happening. To try to prevent Pikmin from dying, you need to practice Dondori. To me, that's what makes this game unique. I think people find Pikmin difficult for two reasons, the controls and the depth of gameplay. I spent a long time mulling over how we could convey these points as interesting rather than difficult, and you see that in Pikmin 4 because there's a rewind time feature now. I don't know if you noticed that in the demo, but you can go back an hour or two hours or to the start of the day if things just go terribly wrong. It's not like Pikmin 1 where <laughs> you might need to start the whole game yeah. over if things go terribly wrong. So that's definitely going to make it more approachable for people. And I, I like that he's not shying away from being difficulty, right? His answer to that was, and people find it difficult, so let's make it easier. It's If people find it difficult, so let's make a, a find a way for them to engage in that in a way that they enjoy. Um, and like, you know, especially because Nintendo games, because they're so bright and colorful, sometimes get associated with younger gamers and things like that. Um, yeah. It's 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 cool to see him like hold the line on that. Yeah, and them to be uncompromising, I think, is a little too harsh. But stick to their vision in what Pikmin is. Uh, but we're we are seeing kind of if you go back to the start of the series, strict thirty day timer, okay. and you you might have to start over. And then Pikmin three, you had to just always make sure you had enough juice on hand to survive. You you collected fruit with your Pikmin, and then you had to juice that into, into juice, and then your team each had to drink a bottle of juice at the end of each day. And it was very easy to stockpile juice. If, if you know what you're doing, you're never in danger. Fast forward to Pikmin 4, there's nothing like that at all. There's still the day-night cycle in terms of moment-to-moment gameplay, but in kind of the overall management scheme of things, there's... There's no consequence to you can take your time and explore this world. And it sounds like there's a lot of it to explore, like Like reading some of these reviews like you. You can really tackle things in any order, which I even felt in the demo. There's times you can acquire like the electric Pikmin before the ice Pikmin. And there's a quote from that Yuji Kondo, who's a designer on the game. and, And they said it's similar to the Legend of Zelda series is breaking the conventions, which that was the buzzword around Breath of the Wild, if you don't remember. But just as in that series, we thought it would be better to leave it up to players which order they encounter Pikmin in, rather than having the game decide it for them. Uh, This thought shaped the elements of Dondori, and players are now free to try out their own ideas, like using Ice Pikmin in a certain place to get the job done faster. So, yeah, this is like a really ambitious game, and, and that's cool to see in a series that clearly Nintendo loves. They clearly want this to be bigger than it is. It's Miyamoto's darling right now. And for them to come out and swing this hard on a, on a fourth entry, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, the fact that they've now done four and have very clearly uh, said that it hasn't sold extremely well. Uh, and I, I think this has, has a shot to break that convention as well, given the size of the Nintendo install base right now and given the positive uh, buzz that is uh, coming out. Um, I, 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 my main takeaway from all these interviews, though, is that uh, uh, Miyamoto's famous saying is now just get good. <laughs> yep, I like that. That works for me. You can uh, get rid of his like yep. good game is a bad a rush games bad forever quote and just say get good. Yeah, just, just put, have put, that on. Put, put that on a T-shirt. Get good, scrub. Yeah. Miyamoto. Yeah. Miyamoto is wearing his Pikmin shirt with his blazer that he revealed in a Nintendo Direct in uh, in these interviews, which was fun. He's, he's really repping. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very excited. We'll, we'll talk about it next week. I was kind of expecting to have this game finished by next week's show because I thought it would be a 15-ish hour thing. Like, Yeah, it, it, so, it sounds like it would be a, a lot to really yeah. experience it all by then. 
yeah, so, but we'll definitely, Chris and I will definitely be a good chunk of the way in this thing to talk about it next week. But yeah, as to what you were saying, Justin, I think no question, this is going to be the best-selling Pikmin game. Pikmin 3 Deluxe currently holds that title at two and a half million sold. I think this will breeze past you, it, I think, comfortably. So if I said plus or minus 10 million, minus, you think it's that? I'll shoot for five. Yeah, I, I, in my head, I was thinking eight. Seems like a, 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 if they hit eight, that would be a, a smash success for this. Um, yeah. I think I'd be really happy with that. But again, just just given the sheer number of switches out there, it's like your, your attach rate would be exceptionally low and you'd still hit five million. And a lot of switches were just sold. For a lot of switches and were just this sold. This is yeah. the first big new game. Yes, everybody's one, two switch happened. But this is the first big first party game following Zelda. Yeah, so and that could give it a little there, there, There's a not, we talked about this before, there's a not small number of people who didn't previously have a Switch who just picked one up, not just people buying their, like, second unit or getting on the OLED yep. or getting the, like, Zelda edition. There's a large number of people who currently own one Switch and one game, and I think this is positioned well to be the second game. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's going to do well. I think 5 million, that's a, that's a smash hit for a game like this, and you'll see the Pikmin series continue. If it hits that number, you'll probably see it continue even if it doesn't, mm-hmm. because the the dev team on this is like some of the highest up veterans still developing software in Nintendo. Like if you look at the image of all the devs in this thing, everybody there basically has been there 20 plus years. Like that's crazy. Like this is an experienced team that cares about this series. And obviously Miyamoto cares about it the most. So, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, also, tomorrow we're getting Pyramithra Amiibo, the last currently announced Super Smash Brothers Amiibo because they still haven't announced a Sora one, which is no good. But uh, yeah, so so big day uh, for, for Nintendo fans and their wallets coming up on Friday. But let's move on to our other topic this week. Uh, I was, I've been playing, I've, I've starting to move away from Tears of the Kingdom finally. I'm still chipping away at 100%ing it, but I've been playing some games on PlayStation, dabbling around in a few things, and it just had me thinking just about my game library in general and what is the, the best games not made by Nintendo that have that same like Nintendo charm or attention to detail or or design principles. And I asked you, Justin, to come up with a few of those. Just like, hey, if you're looking for something that feels like a Nintendo game, but it's not, what can you go to? Because I personally think it's a pretty tough bar to clear mm-hmm. because Nintendo games are very unique for a lot of reasons. But I came up with a few here. Uh, how many did you bring to the table, Justin? Uh, I've got three firm ones and a, and a couple maybes, depending on how wide a net we cast. Okay, cool. So uh, get us started. Kind of talk about uh, what you picked and why you picked it. You can just give me one of your picks. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the the first one I, I feel like is probably the most obvious, uh, which is Rayman Legends. I think it's the best uh, 2D platformer of the last generation, if not more. Um, it's... Um, Celeste would have a word with that, mm. I think. But it's it's a sure, good you, and so you can absolutely make a case for that. But it's yeah. um it it's beautiful, has a fantastic cartoony arts, uh, art style. It has like it oozes personality out of every single frame of art, whether it's in the foreground, the background, the characters that you play with, the multiple characters you select through um the like bonus stages in between um it's it's exceedingly funny has a great sense of humor um it has a a very good ramp up of difficulty where it's it starts off just very easy but it has a very linear path of scaling the difficulty by the by the end of it um 
we, you know, when we were talking about the return to, to 2D Mario, I, I think this is better than any 2D Mario for a very long time. I think it's an in, in absolutely masterfully crafted uh, 2D platformer, and it, it feels it feels like something that Nintendo would produce because of uh, it's excellent across the board. Yeah, it is a great game. I played it. I've talked about it recently. I played it this year. I did think it was great. I think the only thing it leaves a little bit to be desired for me is I, I think it's a little floaty for mm-hmm. me. I think Rayman's just the physics are he jumps a little too high, a little too floaty. But level design, spectacle, it, music, it's great. It is a great 2D platformer. You know what? You would be floaty, too, if your hands and feet were not connected to your body. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's a great pick, though. I kind of picked one that I think is almost the 3D platformer equivalent of that. And I continue as the years go on to think this is just one of the most underrated games of this generation. And and that's Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was a PlayStation 5 launch title. It's cross-gen on PlayStation 4 as well. But this is a 3D platformer in the vein of Super Mario 3D World. It is four-player co-op. It is these linear levels from this kind of isometric perspective. You are trying to collect uh, these collectibles like the green stars. You collect these orbs as you go throughout. And like Rayman Legends, it has some phenomenal music levels that are timed to licensed music. Like there's an uptown funk level in there where all the enemies and the set pieces are timed to the music. And each world kind of has its own music set piece level. And the level design is just great. The collectibles are hidden in very clever, very Nintendo-like places where you feel like a genius for discovering them. And and you figure out the tricks of where they're going to place these things as it goes on. Uh, The boss fights are clever and creative and fun and not too difficult. And on the topic of difficulty, is if it, classic Nintendo fashion, if you want to go for everything, it gets hard. But if you just want to see the credits, you can do that with a family of four and mm-hmm. have no issues getting there. So, yeah, I think that game is fantastic. I think it's one of the best 3D platformers in a while because, I mean, there's not that many of them right now. It's, it's kind of a dying Yeah, genre. and honestly, that, yeah. that was exactly my challenge. I was trying to think of, like, some of the genres that we associate with Nintendo and which ones hit the like cross those genres and do so at a high enough quality i feel like to to be comparable and three platforms in particular stood up to me as i could think of several i can't think of several good ones um <laughs> it's it really something that even to this day frankly people just don't do extremely well which is a shame there's some indies out there mm-hmm. that are trying like I, i've never played it i know people really like a hat in time i think that's a collectathon example that people really like recently ukulele people are really mixed on yeah the second one people liked more but that's more of a donkey kong country 2d type game but yeah or even banjo kazooie yeah yeah you know what it was one i didn't have it on my list but but like kind of in that vein uh astro's playroom on the the playstation 5 uh it 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 does a lot it's a very it's a small game doesn't take a lot of time to play through but it it does a great job of having a lot of layers to it like you can uncover a lot of secrets do a lot of fun interesting stuff it it does play really well has some like cutesy mechanics and it's it sort of like bridges that gap between being like adorable, but also like engaging enough that if you are somebody who does feel compelled to 100 percent it, you got to put some work into it. Um, so like that's that's but there's, there's not many. Yeah. So you kind of you didn't steal one of my other ones, but on this list, I do have Astrobot Rescue Mission. Mm, I thought about the, that one. It's the PSVR mm. uh, kind of predecessor to Astro's Playroom and that game that proved VR to me. That game totally it's is the proof of concept. Mu- platform much like VR. what we've seen Nintendo do in the past, it it's a perfect it's, packing. Like it's it's, it's the it, Mario sixty four of PSVR. It, Absolutely, it, it is the packing that justifies the purchase. Mm-hmm. It is a phenomenal game. I 
I bought a PSVR for that game. Mm. I got it secondhand off like Facebook Marketplace or something like that because I listened, I think it was to Podcast Beyond and they were just in love with this game and they compared it to like Mario 64 and I went out, I got the hardware, which is the most annoying hardware. It's a shame. It's terrible. This this thing is stranded on the first PSVR, which if you don't even have the Mm -hmm. adapter, you can't even plug that thing into PS5. Like it still only works on PS4 without this very specific cable. But that game is just incredible. It's one of the best best platformers I've ever played. Uh, Just the way like the little jet streams come down from his rocket boots. So you can see exactly where you're going to land. You don't get motion sick when you're playing. It does the same Lakitude thing for Mario 64. Where yep. It's like Lakitude is the camera. It's, it's like you're rescued. playing is this like giant robot that's controlling Astro Bot. It's just, it's a genius game. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with that game. Astro's Playroom is great too, but it, it doesn't touch Rescue Mission just because of what that one does. In the yeah. Game. And like, and your character is so cute and adorable and expressive in the way they, they, the way that, you know, two blue led eyes can uh, convey so much. Uh, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, a great way of using kind of like the scarcity of information of not having like photorealistic graphics to actually do a better job of, um, like getting, you know, thoughts and emotion across and things like that. Um, he, he's, he's adorable. And I think is mm-hmm. PlayStation's best mascot right now. I agree. I agree. It feels like I just talked about Sackboy. I almost feel like Astrobot and Sackboy won't coexist. I feel like they'll only commit to one, and I feel like it's going to be Astro. It should be Astro. Yeah, but Sackboy's so good too. Yes, they they both deserve. Sackboy was fun, and I, I, I like especially like back in the heyday of those games where you had like a Sackboy edition of like Solid Snake and all sorts of other characters and stuff. They did a lot of really fun stuff with them, but I don't know that I would consider Sackboy like ingrained as much into like the playstation culture no. as i feel like Ast- yeah. astro is right now yeah. like, like and yeah. especially with what they do in astro's playroom and uh sorry in yeah in astro's playroom uh of like also kind of making a museum piece for like the system's history mm-hmm. um he, he feels like the adorable little curator of like uh playstation and i, I like that out of him and, and still comparing it kind of to through the Nintendo lens, you look at Pikmin, mm-hmm. which has like the little mini Game Boy Advance SP that they're all like carrying back in Astro's Playroom. You can go and interact with like all of the PlayStation yep. hardware yep. processor. Like you can open the disc drives and <laughs> turn on the controller light and flash the PlayStation move. Oh, yeah. Like all yeah, these the, things. The little spindle in the PS1 and things like <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah, very Nintendo in, mm. in that way. And like in the VR one, you can like whack him in your head in the head with your controller and he like flies across and then he like swims back to you. Like just little tiny touches like that that, that make games stand out. Yeah, these are great Nintendo games, folks. They are extremely yes. worth playing. Yeah. All right. What's what's your next pick? Um, uh, Okami. I think Okami, if Okami was a Zelda game, it would be an upper third of the series Zelda game. I think it's. I think it's spectacular. Uh, I the it's it's a GameCube era Zelda like um, Zelda like of the Zeldas from from the era, and somehow they managed to do this thing where uh, something that tried to be contemporary of like Wind Waker Twilight Princess, it did it successfully was. I think I like those two better. But if you told me that you liked Okami better than those, I wouldn't look at you like you're a crazy person. I I think that uh, it. You you play as uh, I think Amaratsu was the character. You you are this um, uh, a wolf or fox uh, goddess, and it has this great painterly art style. A lot of the special moves you attack are actually done with a calligraphy uh, brush. 
Um, it, everywhere you run, you leave a trail of like grass uh, growing behind you. The the character, like the characters that you interact with, are extremely like Zelda style Kakariko Village weirdos with weird problems for you to solve. Uh, but an excellent combat system, and like the fact that um, it you know uh, coincided with Twilight Princess, where you play as Wolf Link. It completely coincidentally and and again like and stood up pretty well to those comparisons is unbelievably impressive. I think it is the the by far the best non Zelda Zelda game uh, anybody's made. Yeah, I've actually never played Okami. I need to. You are missing out. But I think that Zelda. I don't have any on my list. You, you can you can catch the HD version on sale for like I want to say like twenty bucks or something like that. Yeah, it's, it is on modern consoles. Yeah. Yeah, I think I already have it. I think I grabbed it on a sale when it was really cheap and just oh, you got played no it. excuse. I know, but here's my excuse of why I haven't. I feel like I've been burned so many times. I mean, Zelda to me is the hardest series to replicate. Mm-hmm. I don't think any game I've played has ever done it mm-hmm. in a 3D sense. I think there's some 2D ones that have that, that are nice, like Blossom Tales. That's a cute little game that kind of mimics the, the 2D Zelda formula. There's other examples of games that are like Tunic, even. It's very different, but yeah. it has some of the same Yeah, DNA Tunic is probably sure. the one other example I think somebody could make of a Zelda like that mm-hmm. that can hold up some comparison. But when you're talking about Tunic, you're talking like NES Zelda yeah. plus Dark Souls. Yeah. Like, it's not like, yeah, it's yeah. not like Link to the Past or things like that. But 3D Zelda, people are like, oh, Darksiders is like Zelda. No, it's I did not like, like Darksiders and all these very much. Things that yeah. Are, not at all like it. Even I had high hopes for uh, Canterbridge of Spirits, which came out on PlayStation mm-hmm. a few years ago. And it was made by the, the team that made that Majora's Mask short film on YouTube. It's called A Terrible Fate. And it's this gorgeous 4K HD short, like five minute retelling of Majora's Mask. And then they became a game studio, Ember Labs, and made this game. And I looked forward to it for years. And I thought the trailers were really then, impressive. Did you ever, ever ever end up playing it? I never it played it. It, it just doesn't have it's, it's it's a good game like i like it a lot it's just i wouldn't say it's like zelda uh it's has good combat system again kind of dark soulsy with the, the parrying and, and the health bar and, and how that all works um but there's just like not the the same puzzle design mm-hmm. the same sense of world or the same kind of vibes as zelda so people always say okami's the best 3d zelda and i'm like we'll see i gotta play it maybe i'll i'll find a game that i love All right, my next pick. This one's kind of doesn't really have a parallel to any direct series, uh, but I think that Overcooked is Hmm. very Nintendo in a lot of ways. Overcooked 2, my sister and I play whenever a new expansion drops. I guess now there's a compilation called All You Can Eat uh, where you can play kind of everything together. But Overcooked is basically you are managing this kitchen with either one, one to four people and they're just throwing stuff at you. It gets bonkers. You have to like shoot out of cannons to deliver these plates. You need to like walk across lava, do all these crazy things. And the reason I think it's Nintendo is because what I think Nintendo is better at than anyone else is introducing a mechanic and then exploring literally every possibility that mechanic can be used. I think Tears of the Kingdom is a great example of that. They add in Ultra Hand and Ascend and Fuse and you can do hundreds of things with it, and the shrines show you those things. Overcooked does that. At the start of a world, it'll be like, here's one cannon, and you just launch back and forth across these two platforms out of this cannon. And by the end of that world, there's like four cannons that you have to launch onto moving platforms. You put the plate in, you leave yourself behind. Like, you're just doing crazy stuff, and it just builds, builds, builds. And then the next world, 
brings you back to zero with a new mechanic and it builds all the way to the end. And I think it's just so great at doing that. Yeah, so that that's a. I will say, as far as like developers uh, and publishers and folks out there in the world who make games, uh, Overcooked Two is by Team Seventeen, and they are pretty consistently, I think, a Nintendo-like developer. The the, the stuff that uh, that uh, they the people they associate with put out frequently are very colorful, creative, interesting. Uh, like I've, I've been playing their games. Like I used to, like I, I love the Worm series growing up, which was a similar thing where oh, yeah. very simple concept, very simple gameplay. But executed flawlessly, but and but done so in a package that's really entertaining and fun. Um, uh, and so they, I, I think you could probably look at a number of titles by them uh, that would be appropriate for this list. Yeah, yeah, they they do publish a lot of great games. I think mm-hmm. Overcooked is probably the highest profile one recently published. I think yeah. I think they do also publish the ukulele games. I think Platonic. Oh, that could be seventeen. Yeah, I'd, I'd, ha- I'd have to look through their like recent like gameography. Um, yeah. But they're attached to a ton of games. Um, they they're... were in the most recent Nintendo Direct with that that pigeon game, yep. that, the, uh, like headbangers or something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. That was them. Yep. Yeah. But Overcooked's great. Yeah. I, I love yeah. that game. It's it's so a much very fun. Nintendo-like group. Yes, absolutely. You have any more picks, or have we have we run out? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll never run out of things to talk about. Um, uh, another one that, frankly, I. J- always shocks me when i remember that it's not a nintendo game is the katamari series um again a perfect example of like you know hey let's make a game that doesn't play like any game like we're we're gonna basically make up a new type of like gameplay that people are gonna do and it's gonna be rock solid and funny and again weird as hell because i love it when when uh these studios get weird as hell um Mm -hmm. and it will and like the characters will become instantly iconic uh, with a with a rip and soundtrack. Um, I don't I don't know how many games are in this series. They just released a either a like a HD remake or something recently. Um, there was a new Katamari that came out in June, I believe. Yeah, uh, they did. Uh, they did Katamari Damacy reroll a couple years ago, and that's, that's the it. first one. And then they did, oh gosh, Katamari World or something like that is the recent one. But basically, another remake. Yeah. Of, uh, in the realm of reroll. Yeah, so 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 you you can play uh, Katamari Damacy reroll on Switch, uh, and again, extremely vibrant and colorful, and like they have these weird cutscenes that don't make any sense at all, and like the basic crux is like you start with a very very small object that you roll and things stick to it, but your ball has to be big enough to stick it. So initially you're 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 rolling up tiny tiny things, then eventually you're you're like picking up like larger objects like pots and pans, then you you know you scooped up a person, and now you've got skyscrapers, now you got an entire island. And get shot up into space and explodes to form a new star exceptionally weird unbelievably fun though it's just it is exclusively fun uh and and feels again it 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 feels like nintendo down to its core uh the one that came out this year is called we love katamari reroll so that's the there we go sequel i i I knew that i knew there was something recently yeah yeah that came out just uh last month in june i said you I will shout out two more here real quick, and then we'll move on to our bevy of listener emails from this week. But uh, I put on here, and this one's an obvious one, but it deserves a shout out. Uh, Shovel Knight is just, it's a love letter to the NES era of, mm-hmm. of platformers, most of which the good ones were on NES. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, like there's there's Zelda 2 in there. There's Castlevania in there. There's DuckTales. I can say that, like even, even DuckTales, the Disney after, Afternoon yeah. Collection. And, like, you want to talk about uh, a... A great example of a game where you can tell that they absolutely loved and grew up on these games, and yes. and that 
that like deep knowledge is infused into every frame of gameplay in it and like they they execute it flawlessly it, it, it's like somebody who grew up listening to a maestro and becomes inspired to become a musician themselves and becomes as great as like those who like came before them that like, shovel knight's a perfect example of that yeah and then my last shout out is dragon quest 11 i think is very nintendo like in a number of ways uh it's Nintendo doesn't really have, like, a turn-based RPG besides Pokemon. They have one coming out this fall, but they don't usually have a turn-based RPG besides Pokemon, which is kind of its own thing. But Dragon Quest XI, in terms of, like, vibes and world-building, is very Zelda to me in a lot of ways. Quirky NPCs. It's that same kind of level of, like, fantasy that's mostly cute but can get very dark at times. Uh, And then it has um, just super like cute little quirks, like a a town where everybody speaks in haiku. And that's just how everyone talks to you all the time. Just little fun things like that. It's very similar level of, of fantasy in it's storytelling too. just like pretty standard hero's journey. You're the chosen one to go on this adventure. It dabbles in time travel a little bit. Like it's very Zelda E in a lot of ways. I fell in love with that game on PlayStation four back in 2018 and I continue to champion it. It's my favorite RPG of all time. I, adore wow. dragon quest 11 yeah i think that it's just nearly perfect and i i will say akira toriyama's art style seems it, it is extremely nintendo uh like it's mm-hmm. it's it's detailed but not intending to be again like one-to-one realistic um it's colorful and fun and the characters have kind of a whimsical mirthful style but they can also absolutely get get angry and be badasses and things like that uh and yeah. you got smiley happy slimes and uh giant monsters and weird accessories uh i i I like it yeah it's a great game it's on switch the switch version is fantastic Uh, and it has an uh, orchestral soundtrack which the original release didn't have and it sounds much nicer so yeah those are our picks i'm curious if there's any out there that you're thinking of listener send in your picks for the best non-tendo nintendo games toadstool br on twitter or toadstoolboardroom at gmail.com speaking of at ToadstoolBR and ToadstoolBoardroom at gmail.com. You flooded our inboxes this week with questions. We have six to get to. We love you, uh, listeners. So thanks for that. It was a slow news week, and we're grateful to have these. So uh, let's let's try and get through all these. We might have to save a couple for Ooh. next time uh, if we if we go along, but let's, let's see how we do. This first one comes from Courtney, who says, The Switch has entries from most notable Nintendo series at this point. What's one series that hasn't seen a new entry on Switch yet you want to happen before the next system? Justin. Donkey Kong Country. Um, I, 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 Easy. I, yeah, uh, I, I know that you're not the biggest Donkey Kong Country fan. Um, at least like from I'm original. I'm a huge fan of the new the ones. The newer ones, okay. I love the new yeah, ones. But like Tropical yeah. Freeze was a, amazing. I thought it was a fantastic game. I thought it was hard as hell. Um, I, I, it, it feels like a extremely difficult uh 2d platformer like that is a great bookend to the end of a console generation uh l- let me see what kind of mastery i have over my pro controller uh yeah so g- yeah, give okay. me some dkc now i totally agree i think that i really like donkey kong country returns i think tropical freeze is even better uh i it's one of my favorite 2d platformers i love brutally challenging platformers like mm. i said i love celeste i love super meat boy dkc is not that hard but it's kind of it's closer to that than it is to like Mario, Donkey Kong Country, yep. Tropical Freezes, Stellar. I know it's on Switch, but I've been saying this for a, a while. It's, it's a port. baffling to me that there's no new Donkey Kong game on Switch. Donkey Kong's in the movie. He's probably getting his own movie. Mm-hmm. He's getting his own expansion at Super Nintendo World 
in Japan, how are they not capitalizing there, on there, this? There has the to game? be something in the works. I have there to believe that. I do too. There uh, definitely is something. Now, it's what I saw the question. I was like, well, this can be an easy one for Logan. I can think of several uh, Nintendo franchises that I know he would love to see. Yeah, I mean, it's F-Zero, but actually, I don't think it is F-Zero, because I want F-Zero to be a launch game on the next thing. What about no, I want it to be on, like, running that, that 1080p locked 60 FPS. What about uh, what about Kid Icarus? Yeah, I I would honestly just want to see a port of of the of the Kid Icarus Uprising with better right. controls. Or, or even so. a remake. That's not a new entry. Yeah. yeah, just a remake. So when I think of things that haven't happened yet that should, it's Rhythm Heaven. It is straight up Rhythm Heaven. I think that Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix is one of the most underrated Nintendo games of the last 10 years. Uh, it launched digitally only in the West on 3DS. It is like WarioWare, but rhythm-based minigames, the same like what the hell is happening <laughs> unfolding on screen that happens in WarioWare. Um, like the like you're dancing with swans is this like high school cheerleading coach is screaming at you and you have to, make sure to do your flutter at the, at the same time. Or the most iconic one is the chorus kids, like the hand drawn, like, like a elementary school drew them children that are singing in a chorus. And if mm. you mess up, they all glare at you. It's just so charming. And I'm super excited about WarioWare in, in November. But at the time I said, I wish this was rhythm heaven. And, and that kept me thinking like rhythm heaven is one they could squeak in there here at the very end. And I think would make because it's got fans out there. I think mm -hmm. it'd make some people happy. I'd love to see it. Yeah, but F zero for the next console, please. Uh, but I was going to say Donkey Kong if you didn't. So nice. I'm glad you did. Somebody had to. Yeah, yeah. But it has gotten most of the franchises at this point. There's really not too many that are it, missing. The the Switch has had a a very uh, complete collection. I feel like for the most part. Yeah, I, I mean, unless you're pulling in the Wayback Machine, like Punch Out. Hasn't happened. I guess that's the same as <laughs> and you like some punch kind of at this yeah. point in time. Uh, Star Fox hasn't I, happened. I thought, yeah, I thought about mentioning Star Fox, but it's. I really don't think there's been a third good Star Fox game. So I, I don't know if another bad Star Fox does us any good. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to pick that because I know that you like uh, Star Fox. I do. More, but again, there have been two good ones. And then I mean, Mother is yep. what I'll shout out. I'd love to see it. But that'd be a remake. I'd love to see an Earthbound remake. Mm. Um yeah, but other than that, it's like, I don't know. I don't need to see Chibi Robo or anything like that come back. Yeah. I do like Sorry, Chibi Robo, Chibi Robo fans. Uh, our next question comes from Jay. I'm hey, glad Jay. Justin's here for this one. Jay says, do you think there's any chance EA will bring Madden and NHL to the Switch since the EAFC, formerly FIFA, that's its new name, on the Switch is now using the Frostbite engine? Justin, you're the sports guy, the sports game guy. Yeah, yeah, as, as a sports game guy, I... So... I know for, well, I, I don't know for, I can say with a lot of confidence that uh, EA would love to have all of their sports games available on the Switch. Again, it's just, it's a purely economics question. Like EA is a very economically motivated company, as is, this is their right as a business. Um, and so, you know, having access to the size of that uh, audience is huge. Um, I would wager we're not going to see those on switch i think that the amount of t time and money that it would take to engineer that like one like annual franchises are difficult like it's the uh, you know i've i've had a chance to, to fly down to orlando and meet with uh, ea down there at madden preview events and stuff like so, you know, sometimes people will say things like oh we didn't get this feature or xyz because they're lazy they're not they're working their tails off um they're they're very talented developers who are working really hard but 
realistic. They have like a honestly a nine month development cycle almost because you have to have you know project a pro, a product that is finished and can go through certification and you have to work on the next round of like updates and things like that to it. Um, so it would it would be it would be a lot to try and also re-engineer one that can run on the Switch, and that's what you would have to do based on the hardware. That being said, you know, were I them, uh, and, you know, I knew that there was eventually going to be a follow-up console, possibly sooner rather than later, I would absolutely be letting Nintendo know, like, hey, please give us dev kits as soon as you can, because we we want to, to get back on that platform and in that ecosystem. Especially nowadays, now that the Nintendo Switch online, as an online service, has improved a lot you know it was so far behind what everybody else did it's still a little behind from my perspective but it's it's a viable platform now to to play online games on um so yeah i i absolutely have to think that that's something that they would put on a board as a priority but not for the current generation (laughs) yeah i i I agree with you i don't think it's going to happen this gen from what we've seen of the FIFA releases on Switch, they're some of the worst reviewed games out there. Well, and just not prioritize well, those consoles. Yeah, and see, I don't even know what's going to happen with, with that this year. Because So the other thing to keep in mind with the FIFA la- launches in particular is, like, they, they, they haven't even been, like, ports of the existing one. They've actually been using a multiple generations old FIFA and just updating, like, players and jerseys on that. So it's it's it's, it's become an increasingly different game from what exists on other platforms. Uh you don't have that even to build off of for some of these other franchises. So I just don't think, again, from a, a timing, like economics uh, point, I just don't think it's feasible. I remember the most kind of egregious example of that is the, I don't remember the years, but one of the FIFAs on Switch, you within that game, one of like the menu icons still had the logo <laughs> from the previous year. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yikes, guys. Mm. That's, yeah, big yikes. Big I, I probably didn't bother to fix it. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. so it's, it's, I don't see it. But I agree with you. Next platform, which I think is hopefully going to be like PS4, a little bit more level power, then you will see third parties flock to that. Yeah. If the install base is there. Also, by the way, do you see that mock-up floating around? on That that is so fake. Oh, my God. Come on. Yeah. It's fake. If you saw that Switch 2, just look the other way. That's not real. I, I am somebody who assigns very little weight to like online rumors and things like that. And that, that mock-up was terrible. Yeah, it's, we don't talk about them. There were like re- there's reports this week of like, oh, Metroid Prime 2 is close and something else Zelda's happening. We don't talk about yeah. that stuff. It's no. just, I don't know. I don't love hopping on the rumor mill. Yeah, well, it, I mean, in, in, in our case, like, since you are an actual, like, journalist, <laughs> we got some journalistic <laughs> yeah, integrity, so, no, no, uh, yeah. No need to, to t- spend our time on that. Uh, I like to, I prefer to answer questions like this one from Oscar, who asks, the Nintendo Switch had a Skyrim port announced around the same time the console was. Which third-party game would you like to see announced with the Switch 2 to show it off? Personally, I'd like to see a definitive, fixed version of Cyberpunk. I'll start with the Cyberpunk ask, because if we're talking PS4 power, remember what that game looked like on PS4? I think that might be a tall ask. It'd be great. That'd be an awesome Switch game. Like, one of the best RPGs of that gen that missed Nintendo. And then that's the same as, like, what happened. Are, are you a Is Cyberpunk fan? Do you like Cyberpunk? I haven't played it. Uh, I know that, like, it's really turned around now. I love it. People I, I adore Cyberpunk 2077. I bought it yeah. when it launched on PC. And, I, and I, I have a pretty beastly rig of a PC just for work purposes. Like, I actually had a pretty good time with it. Like, I had some bugs, but they were mostly silly. Like, there was one where, for whatever reason, tiny trees were constantly being rendered in the air. So I'd be having conversations. <laughs> there'd just be little trees popping up everywhere. Okay. Uh, so, like, it, it was, again, almost a Bethesda-like like cuteness to it. 
Um, and then the updated version, um, I got it on Xbox uh, for the the my Series X um, when that came out and played through. It's it's great. It's a it. If if the new if the new console can run this right reasonably well, I love this. I think this is an almost ideal version of it, where you bring a long in depth RPG, something with um, you know a, a lot of maturity, a lot of complexity, uh, so, something from you know a really well established uh, like top tier studio like CDPR. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a great suggestion, uh, as long as it can run well. And with Phantom Liberty too, that DLC is coming out in yeah, a couple of months. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm saying, and you know, assuming the next console is going to be handheld, little Keanu in the palm of your hands, what more could you ask for? Yeah. Do you have any picks besides Cyberpunk? Uh, besides uh, the suggestion, yeah, boy, it, for for another another big port. Um, I have one. I can go. go. I would love to see Final Fantasy VII remake mm, on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I think that. That was like a that. PS4 game. Mm-hmm. It ran very well on PlayStation yeah. 4. Mm-hmm. Um, I played it on my base launch PS4 model in 2020, and it ran great. It was gorgeous. So hopefully if this Switch is around PS4 power, I think that's a great fit. There's a ton of Final Fantasy games on Switch. Um, there have been a ton of Final Fantasies on yeah. Nintendo. Obviously, the, the history is there. Um, they yeah. they seem to no longer have that enmity they had in the uh, starting the PlayStation generation. Yeah. Um, I Crisis would love Core, it. the remake, is on Switch. Exactly That's what I'm there, saying. So yeah. there's a precedent. Yeah. yeah, I would love to see that game. That would be great. Well, and, and I was saying in particular, like the the idea of being able to play a big beady JRPG like that with again, again, I think we're just assuming the handheld functionality is not going away. So being able to do like I do with Zelda, which is like do all the big stuff on the screen, but occasionally like undock it and go chill on outside or something. I like that a lot. I think that's a good suggestion. I think mine is one that, um, you know, people who have heard me for a while know that it's one of, one of my favorite video games on the planet that I again Another one that honestly feels like it's a Nintendo game is Sea of Thieves. I think if they could work uh, a deal with Microsoft to get um, a Sea of Thieves port uh onto onto their console um it would be it would be huge uh they're unbelievably fun they just today in fact released their latest update which is the first part of their uh, secret of monkey island collaboration which hopefully i'm going to play tonight i'm really excited about but so this is that that live service game that has had incremental updates for years mixing with occasional big packs there's so much content there's so unbelievably much to do in that game and it has that fun cute whimsical style you can pick it up and 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 drop it for short sessions you can jump in for big sessions um it the 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 cartoony art style i I would think again if we're uh, assuming i think with pretty intelligently that this will not be as powerful as the current generation consoles from the competitors um like i you know we started playing this on the xbox one and it looked awesome and ran Right. Uh, it's it, it it would be a dream to be able to take that on the go like that. Yeah, no, that's a great pick. That's a really good switch game pick. Um, yeah, I think when you're talking about other other options for this, you got to look at games, I think, built for PS4 and Xbox one. Mm-hmm. Talk about Skyrim as a PS3 and Xbox 360 game. You're moving one gen up. I think that's the gen we're looking at. That's why I don't see cyberpunk happening. Yeah, as much as I'd like it to. Yeah. I know we got some PS4, yeah, even though there were, there were like versions of that. Yeah. yeah. Or, or or even, you know, like look at some of the other JRPGs like like Atlas games, like Persona 5, right? Yeah. Persona 5 Royal on the Switch? Mm-hmm. Or on the Super Switch or whatever it is? Well, it is on Switch. Is it? It already is, yeah. Yeah, so or whatever the next generation of, of stuff is, like, um, yeah. like yeah, basically I want RPGs. I, I like portable RPGs. Yeah, that's a great fit. It's yeah. a great fit for, for Switch. All right, uh, we have some other questions i think we're gonna save them we were about out of time here so yeah we have questions about video game soundtracks which i think is too long to get into now Uh, a question about 
uh, the most out there concepts Nintendo's ever done, which I like. That's I don't want to rush that one. I think we can answer this one real quick uh, from Shane. Do you think we will get a sequel to Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom? Or will the next game be more of a return to classic Zelda? Uh, Shane, we've talked about that on a couple of shows the last few weeks. I think the main team is absolutely working on the next big open world Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom style game. And, but yeah, that and, does not and, preclude remakes. And, and the they, they, they've said explicitly that like th- this is how they see the franchise now. Well, what we've seen yeah. in terms of like this, this kind of architecture uh, uh, in how it comes together, like, you know, could be incredibly weird and incredibly different. But uh, this open world freedom concept like this, this is Zelda nowadays. Zelda. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm going to take six years to make, <laughs> but it takes a very long It takes six yeah. years to make. If you already have an existing engine and everything built, <laughs> who knows how long it'll take to build it from scratch again. That 10 year dev cycle we've heard rumored at for other games, probably not out of the question. So again, I would love, love, love for us to see a, some classic, a classic style Zelda in between. Whether that means like an like uh, a 2D like Super Nintendo style or a Ocarina of Time slash Twilight Princess style one, I would take either one happily. But I, I I really do hope that they you know don't you know they they basically keep the momentum uh, on the franchise and and find a way to put some stuff out like that in between. I think they will. I think it'll be remakes. I don't think we'll get or I could see a new 2D game mm-hmm. in between now and then. Yeah, but I think it'll be like. Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, maybe like the Oracle games, or I would love a link between worlds on Switch. I would love that so much. But yeah, the next big mainline game will be open world and will maybe not come out this decade. So yeah. But that's our show. That's our show for the week. Do you have last thought there? Nope. Okay. That's our show for the week. Another episode of the Toadstool Boardroom in the books, weekly Nintendo show here on... uh, Usually Thursdays, Friday this week, had to push recording a day again uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, video version on YouTube, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Justin, you'll be out next week. Where can people find you in the meantime? Uh, you can find me at a Taylor Swift concert this weekend. Uh, otherwise, you can find me uh, on Twitter at K-O-R-E-I-S. Outstanding. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Logan J. Plant. Find the show at Toadstool BR. Email us, toadstoolboardroom at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week with Chris Shriver to talk all about Pikmin 4. But until then, have a great week. We'll catch you next time right here in the Toadstool Boardroom.